go. All right, it's a blessing to be here tonight to be with y'all. First of all, I just want to uh, thank the Lord for a godly heritage, and just thankful that um, I got to marry into a great family. Being a part of the Shiflet family is a major blessing, especially being on the road and a deputation. A lot of the friends that he has, and just very thankful for um, where God has brought me from. Please don't knock me. I'm from. I grew up and I was born and raised in California. Um, and so being out here in the, in the south, is a, it's a different, uh, different place to be, but I love it. I'm just saying I love it. I love it. I believe it's, I think it's a little better than California. So I grew up in a great church, but there's, this, uh, there's a lot of good churches down here and a lot of good friends that we've been able to be with. And so very thankful um, that God has uh, taken care of us. And uh, like uh, Brother uh, Williamson said, we're sent out of Calvary Baptist Church up in Dundalk, Maryland. And uh, we just hit the road. Uh, full-time back in June after our little baby boy. He's about four months old now. His name is Landon, and uh, after he was born, we waited a few weeks, and then we hit the road full-time. We went out west, and now we're back down here in the south. And so um, God has blessed us uh, surely, and uh, now that we're, uh, we're just, I believe, we just hit over 50% of our goal. And so we're trying to get to the field by next June, um, if the Lord, Lord willing, if the country opens. There's still a lot of restrictions. Um, especially with uh, with foreign visas and stuff. So we're trying to get in the country as fast as we can. Please be praying for the Marco family. They're also stuck here in the States as well. And so um, they're trying to get back to their ministry. They've been here for about a year and a half away from their church, away from their ministries. Um, but God is still working miracles. The church out over there is uh, still, being, uh, still seeing people saved every week, people still coming baptized. There's still a lot of restrictions on how much they limit they, they can do out in the community and the neighborhoods. Um, but they're still able to go out soul winning, and it's still uh, just a blessing to see that the church is still running. The, ch- the church still uh, respects them, especially over there. A lot of the a lot of the churches, once an American leaves, a lot of the churches usually they go liberal and they go south. And so we're we're very thankful that church the church is still running straight. They still respect the Marco, and we're very thankful that he opened. Uh, the door for us back in 2018, I was uh, interning with him over in between my years of Bible college, and he opened the door. I told him that we're going to the Philippines, wasn't sure where, and then that's when he opened the door for us. He asked if we, if we would like to come and join him, and so we're going to be able to join his team and, and to join his ministries over there. He started the church just about eight and a half years ago in the January of 2013. And to that day, through the Bible College Institute, they've been able to uh, send out five of their own young men uh, to start churches. Two even just this past year during the pandemic, uh, they went back to their hometowns and those churches are growing and, and uh, they're flourishing very well. And so it's very uh, grateful to see that even during this pandemic, God is still doing a work and still uh, working miracles. And uh, just the list of the other ministries, um, we started eight children's routes. Uh, our property is, uh, as you saw in the video it's not very big our building is just it's very small that building there it holds about 150 people in it and so as as i was there in 2018 the the children's um, the children's ministries they started growing astronomically and it, it just it just completely um, took off and so now that they had to hold the Bible clubs in the neighborhoods they can't they don't have enough help and enough workers to bring them on property um, but it's grateful to see and uh, the building right now it doesn't even look like it right now they completely raised the building up and they expanded it to the building um, behind that and so they've been able to expand it and they pretty much tripled the size of the capacity of that building and it's almost completed um, with the construction so we're very thankful that that went well and the funds that um, God, be able to, yeah, God brought those in and uh, just very thankful that he's still uh, bringing them uh, bringing, bringing people in there and being able to grow that ministry. One other ministry I want to highlight tonight is Brother Marco mentioned in that list he mentioned uh, the unwanted baby drop box and about uh, a few years ago 
Uh, Brother Marco started to see in our area because it's so poor. A lot of the ho- places that we're in, it's right on the coast because of the storms in the Philippines. A lot of those houses easily get wiped out. So most of the people, when they build back their house, it's very skimp. It's just uh, most sometimes it's just a tin and, and just wood. And so the, it's, very, it's a very, very poor area. And with uh, a lot of the mothers, they can't take care of their children. And, and even in the Philippines, um, the abortions are illegal. And so people try to get around that. And because they don't want kids, they'll, most of the time they'll just completely discard them. And so Brother Marco started seeing babies pop up in the rivers, started seeing them pop up in, um, in the open gutter systems throughout the city. And he started to see that. And he got a burden to save those kids. And I was over there in 2018. I was able to help him build this little hut off to the side uh, that we're able to. It's just completely anonymous. Uh, the mothers can come by and they can drop the baby off. We have a camera system that's set up. And so it immediately knows, notifies them of when a baby is dropped off. And it was just help that we can help save those kids, be an influence in the area to help save those kids. Um, and it's through that ministry that we're hoping to start a children's home, um, as you saw in the video, because our land is just right there. And there's a lot of empty land next to it. We're kind of landlocked right now. People not wanting to sell us the land, and most of them, they're hiking up the prices knowing that we're Americans, and they can get a lot more money for it. And so we're hoping that God will try and work work in their hearts to be able to help us get that land, so that way we can grow. We're trying to get a, a, a separate wing for just the children's home, and that we can expand it, even another wing for the Bible college. And so we're just trying to grow it as big as we can and as fast as we can. And God's, God's working. He's growing, growing the church, even like I said, even during this pandemic. It's still growing. They lost quite a few people, um, but they, they've gained a lot. They've gained uh, quite a few more people, especially in the Bible college. A lot of the younger men in there, there's a lot more younger men coming and uh, getting them in the Bible college and training them so that way in a few years we can get them back out. But we're very thankful that he opened the door for us uh, to go and work with him so that way when we get over there we can just hop right in and be able to teach in the Bible Institute, uh, teach in the, um, we're trying to start a Christian school as well, and so trying to get that running. And uh, even in the Philippines right now, you can go into the public school and you can go in and have a separate time during the week um, to have a Bible time, to have a Bible class, um, and, and you got to set it all up. But they allow you to come in and preach in the high schools. Many trips I went over there, um, you're allowed to go in the high schools. So that's a, another open door um, that God will allow us to have us to work in. So it's very, um, very grateful and very, um, just very thankful that God um, put that call in my life just a few years ago. And now that I get to live the dream and I get to go out and get to share this burden that I have, I'm very thankful um, that I get to share it with you tonight. But if you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 24, the verse that we saw at the end there. It's our theme verse, and uh, hopefully I can give you some truth through this verse tonight as it's helped me in my life, and hopefully it can help you tonight. Just a, just a few simple truths, and uh, as we look at just this one verse, I'm not going to make you stand. I'm just going to read this one verse, and I'll get right into the message tonight. But Acts chapter 20, verse number 24 and uh, many times we see in our life that there's, there's physical challenges that we have to overcome and uh, many things that we go through, many trials that we go through, and we'll kind of look at that tonight. Uh, but we see through Paul's life and through his ministry, and I believe he exemplifies it well in this verse, and as I'm going to give you four different truths to this verse, there's a spiritual challenge that he gives in this verse that I believe can apply not to just anyone that's in missions, but uh, to any, any person, any Christian's life, and just the help that it's been to me, and as I can uh, give it to you tonight, Acts chapter 20, verse number tw- uh, 24, it says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life, dear... Unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy 
and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for allowing me to be here. Lord, to stand behind your pulpit and preach your word. Lord, I just ask that I'd be a blessing in this church. Lord, give me the words to save and me with your spirit tonight. Lord, and I just give these truths. Lord, that can help us tonight, help us in our life. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name. Amen. As I talked about this spiritual challenge that's in our life, and I, as I looked through Paul's life and through his ministry, I saw some things that, that were in his life. And as he, as he goes through this verse and as he gives to us, and through this whole verse, it says that he received the ministry of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel, the grace of God. And the first thing tonight I saw in this verse and I'm going to give to you is the decision. And there was a decision that Paul made in his life and in his, in his ministry. And the first decision I believe he made was to win others. And he says it right here. He says, he received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And the salvation, what salvation actually meant to him. And I was saved at the age of 16 years old. Even though I grew up in a Christian home, and it wasn't until I was 16 years old that I realized I was on my way to hell. I was sitting at, the, I was sitting at a teen camp. It was my last night there. And the preacher was preaching a salvation message. And I realized. I had been struggling with it for the longest time, and I realized I had to get that settled, and I realized that moment, what salvation actually meant to me, and you can look at Paul's life and have how salvation actually meant to him. We can go over to Acts chapter 9, and we can look at his salvation testimony of how God called him out and where God uh, decided to completely change his life, but I want to bring one verse to you over in Acts chapter 9. And just point out one verse you, after he had come uh, through, uh, as he was on his way to Damascus, God spoke to him. He came through to, uh, to Ananias' house. But he says here, down in verse number, uh, verse number 20, after many, after many days he had been with the disciples, he had been training for a few years. But he says here, he says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. And you realize that Paul's life, the moment that God decided to change his life, the moment that God decided to use him, he, he simply could have just turned away from what God was trying to do in his life, him being one of the most well-known persecutors for Christians. Um, but he took what salvation actually meant to him. And if we take what it actually means to us, if we take what the salvation means to us, and we apply it to others, and how it can change other people's lives, and how it can change uh, not just our life, but the people that are around us. And I believe that's how Paul was able to make such a major impact in people's lives, uh, because because of his, what he took salvation, of what it actually meant to him, and him sharing it to others. So we see he was able to win others to Christ in this decision that he made. Over in Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In the first part of this verse, he says, I am crucified with Christ. And he's identifying, he's inclining that his life is with Christ. But he uses this word next, and he says, nevertheless. And you realize that word nevertheless, it means in spite of. And you realize in spite of everything that Paul had ever done in his life, no matter how many Christians he persecuted, no matter how many people he had murdered, no matter how many times he had cursed off God, you realize in spite of all of that, that God decided to use him. And he testifies in this verse of what salvation, this whole thing about what salvation means to him and in spite of in spite of what what he had ever ever done that God was giving him another chance to continue to go on and continue what God had called him to do and what it means to actually us when God decides to call us out when God decides to save us and we turn away from that we turn towards him of what that ministry means to us and what what these decisions that we make 
applying that decision to our life and applying it to win others. And we see that through this verse. He says, Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. A God that was so great, a God that was so powerful, someone that uh, gave up his own son, and he realized that he gave up his own son, and the person that loved him, that gave himself up for us, and now he gets to go and do that. He gets to go and do this ministry uh, for Christ. He received it, and he wasn't going to turn away from God. But the second decision, I believe, that Paul made in his life through this text verse in the ministry of what it meant to him was that he warned others. If you look back in Acts chapter 20, back in Acts chapter 20, you see down in verse, starting in verse 28, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he says here, he says, Take ye therefore unto yourselves all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And you look back up just, I believe it's in that, uh, I just lost my place. Up in verse number 20, he says, And now I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. And you realize he took it, his responsibility was his as he was teaching and as he won people to Christ. And as he discipled them, he took it upon himself and it his responsibility to warn them to realize that there's going to be people that are going to come in here. And the ministry that we have to be able to affect others, there's going to be people that are going to try and turn away the truth of God's word. They're going to turn away from the correct translations. They're going to turn away from the correct doctrine. There's going to be people that are going to come in and try to turn your ear and turn you away from God. But he's trying to warn him. He says, I'm not going to turn away from that. I'm going to keep my eyes straight on God. I'm going to keep my eyes straight on his word. And I'm not going to turn away from that. And you can, I can give you many examples probably in each one of the, the epistles he goes through and he gives an example of him warning other people but when I want to when I want to make sure uh, to give you tonight is over in second Timothy his own son in the faith and I want to give you just this one verse second Timothy chapter 1 verse number 12 and 13 I hope turning in the Bible is uh, okay here I have quite a few scriptures so I'll, I hope you're ready to turn tonight second Timothy chapter 1 verse number uh, 12 Verses number 12 and 13. I'm going to give you two verses here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 and verse number 13. It says here, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. He uses those two words. He says, hold fast. He says, cling to it. Don't let go. He says, I'm giving you the truth. I'm teaching God's word right here. He says, don't turn away from that. He took it his responsibility and what his ministry meant to him. And he wasn't going to turn away from that. He was going to do his job and his responsibility to warn others in his, in his, in his ministry. And he wasn't going to turn away from that. And many times he, he talked about a falling away Way, there's going to be people that are going to fall away, people that are going to turn your ear. But he says here, and he says the whole fast, a form of sound words. Don't turn away from the God's truth. Don't turn away from the Bible. Don't turn away when things are going rough. Don't turn away from God. He says to stick with it, and he's going to warn others. So I believe these two decisions in Paul's life kind of set him up, and it sets him up for the rest of this message. It set him up for the rest of his life and his ministry, this decision to warn others, and his decision to win others. He took his responsibility to win others and to warn others. Going back to our text verse tonight, Acts chapter 20, verse 21. So number one was the decision. Number two here was the determination. He says, but none of these things move me. 
Acts 20, verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. It says, none of these things move me, neither count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course. And if you look up just one verse up in Acts 20, verse 23, he says, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. And he realized that no matter where Paul went in his life, when God changed his life, and he realized now he was the one that was preaching the gospel, he was the one that was going out and, and, uh, and winning sinners, he realized that that persecution started to fall on him, and he realized that it, that it was now on him, and no matter, he says here, he says, saying, uh, saying that those bonds and afflictions, they abide me, no matter what city he went to, they were going to stick with him, they were going to stay with him, but he didn't let that affect his testimony, as he says in 24, he says, none of these things move me, neither I count all my life dear unto myself, like he talked about, that God that loved him so much, he counted his life, that he was going to sacrifice it, and he was going to give it to God, and no matter where he was going to go, his testimony was going to speak, this determination he had in his life, he was going to continue to go on and continue to go for God. He says, I'm going to finish my course with joy. He makes this promise to God and to others. He makes others accountable as he was writing this and realizing as he was teaching others, teaching young men uh, to continue on, to continue on, uh, have a determined life. I came across this verse sometime last year over in Romans chapter 12, verse number 12, if you want to turn with me. Romans chapter 12, 12, and I believe it's a help uh, that, that speaks to Christians about this area of determination and of what it means to us. And how determination has staying determined in our heart. And I believe he gives just a simple formula in this verse here. Just a three-part, a three-fold uh, formula in this verse. He gives us three things here. He says, first of all, Romans chapter 12, verse number 12. He says, rejoicing in hope. Number two, patient in tribulation. Number three, he says, continuing instant in prayer, in this rejoicing and hope and realizing that the, many people in this world, many people in this world, they choose to walk in darkness rather than light. Realize that us Christians, as we sit here in this room this, uh, tonight, we look at God's word and we have God's word. We know God. We, we are the light. We have his light. And there's many people out there that are walking in darkness. They choose to choose something else to, uh, to satisfy them. But we realize that this hope that we have, and Paul says right here, he says rejoicing in hope and realizing that we can be happy, knowing that God is in control, knowing He has uh, the plan set out for our life, that God is in control for us, and we know that He's gonna He's gonna make things. We know he, in Romans chapter eight twenty eight says, and, that, "And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose." We know that it's a conditional promise or something that we have to do in order to receive it, but God says He knows that that all things that work together for good to them that love God, knowing that we have this hope in God, to put that love in God and, and trusting Him and realizing that we could trust him in everything that we go through, no matter the, how hard the trial is, no matter how hard the tribulation is, that God, he wants us to stay determined and realizing we, we can be happy. We have this rejoicing and hope. We have God's word and realize that we go through a trial and a tribulation and many times we decide to forsake God, thinking we can do it in our own power, We're realizing that God's answer is right here. Many times uh, we turn away from him, realizing we can find it, try and find it on our own, but we realize we have to come back to him. We have to come back to his word and he gives it to us right here and this hope is talking about God's word it's talking about the, his walk with him just being happy where God has us in our life no matter how hard that tribulation is so we see this rejoicing in hope but secondly see he says here he says patient and tribulation that's just to talk about a stillness in the storm and realizing 
like I said, when, we go on, when we're going through a trial, we're going through a tribulation, we try many times, we try to do it in our own power, and most of the time we, make, we tend to make it worse. We tend to make that situation worse uh, by coming up with a solution on our own. And I, even when I was a younger kid, I would try to do that many times because I, I'd either break something, I'd put a hole in the wall or something, and I realized that I couldn't fix that on my own. I tried as best as I could to uh, try to get around my parents and try to fix it before they got home. If my, my brother, one time we were wrestling um, in the hallway and realized, Realized that uh, we were probably about the same size, and it was just a few years before I went off to Bible college. And uh, we were wrestling in the hallway, and uh, he kind of got mad, and I just picked him up, and I just pile-drived him right through the hallway, a wall, and realized that that drywall wasn't enough to uh, stop both of us. And then he just went right through the backside of that, and I realized that there was no way I was going to be able to fix this big old three-foot hole in the wall. And I realized, nope, I had to realize I had to go, I had to, I had to let my parents come, and I realized I had to fess up, and I had to realize I needed them to help to fix it. And that's the thing. Same thing with us, with God, and realizing that we go through those, we go through these trials, and we try. Uh, we when we do it on our own power, we usually tend to make uh, things worse. And realizing some things that I try to fix in my life, uh, I couldn't fix them on my own. Many mistakes that I made, and I had to come to God. I had to come to Him, and realizing that He had the power uh, to be able to help me get through get through those things, and be able to fix. But you see, He's talking about being patient in the storm in James chapter one, verse three and four. It says, "Knowing this." That the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And this word patience here, and this word perfect, it's a perfecting, it's something that's complete, it's a maturing process. And that's what these trials are in our life, and that these trials that Paul had to learn in his life, they're a maturing process. Every, every uh, trial that he went through, every persecution he went through, it taught him to continue on, it, it made him stronger. And that's what these trials, that's what God is trying to do in our life, it makes us stronger, realizing that that power is not on our own, but it's in Him. Over an example, I'm going to give you over in Exodus chapter 14 here, talking about uh, this patience and tribulation. Just an example, um, as the children of Israel here, they were leaving Egypt, and uh, they, they, they had just left Egypt, and they realized the Egyptian army were coming to them, and then they hit the brick wall. They, 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 were, they had to stop at the, uh, the Red Sea, and they realized that they couldn't do they couldn't go anywhere, and the Egyptian army was coming fast after them. But, and they, they started to complain, they started to murmur, they started to fear. But Moses says here, he gives us this great example. And he says here in verse chapter, uh, uh, chapter 14, verse number 13, he says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen, uh, have ye, ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, he shall hold your peace. He gives them those three things. It says, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. And realizing that those trials we go through, those tribulations we go through, when we just let God do it, and we let him handle it, that he's going to find a way. And that we get to see him work, we get to see his power work, and we get to watch God work in, in our life. And letting God take control of that situation. Not doing it in our own power, but realizing he has control of every situation we have, and that's just by being still, letting God work in, uh, in us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 10, it says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and set you again. He, he's, trying to, he's trying to make us perfect. It's a maturing process. He's going to establish us. He's going to strengthen us, and he's going to settle us. When we put that, when we, when we just sit still for a second, and we let God work, he's going to come up with a solution and he's going to come up with an answer for us but I believe the last part of this verse is the most important part and back back in Romans chapter 14 or sorry Romans chapter 12 verse number 12 
So we saw these first two things, uh, rejoicing and hope, being happy where we are, uh, no matter what trial we're in, being patient in tribulation, just being still and letting God work. But this last part here, he says, continuing instant in prayer, continuing instant in prayer, and realizing that that prayer, when we come to God in prayer, like I said, when we try to do it in ourselves, we forget God, we forget His Word, we forget prayer. When we come back to Him and we get on our knees and we go to God and we give Him these burdens, we give Him the trials, and realize that that prayer it forces you to be still, it forces you to take, take a step back, it forces you to give that burden to God and let Him work and let Him work in you, and realizing how prayer can be effectful, it can be, uh, can be something that, that works in our life. And He says, continuing instant in prayer. He didn't say that just for, uh, just out of the air. He said it for a reason, realizing that you can't just pray and give God that burden at one time. He says continuing instant prayer. You have to keep coming back to him. That prayer gives you the power. It gives you the strength to get through that trial, to get through those hard times. And no matter that trial that we're in, no matter the, uh, the, the situation that we're in, that God wants us to come to him and realizing that he's in control and that we shouldn't worry. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. He says, Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about a thing knowing that God's in control. God will take care of it. But he says here, he says, but in prayer, but in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving. Realize we can still be thankful for what God's doing in our life, no matter what we're going through, that we don't have to worry, that we can be thankful that God still saved us, that we still have a church that we can go to, we still have a Bible that we can read, and knowing that God is in control, He's going to take care of it. Uh, it comes through that prayer. It comes through being patient in that tribulation. It comes through rejoicing in the hope, just being happy where God has us in our life. And I believe that it's just a simple formula to help with determination and just a testimony of Paul as he was writing that to the Romans, trying to get to him, Trying to encourage them to continue to go on no matter what they're going to face ahead, no matter what they're going to go through, to know that we can stay determined in our Christian life. So we see number one was the decision, his decision to warn others, his decision to win others, and this area of determination. But number three, you go back to our text verse, I'm going to pull out one word. I'm going to give you what I believe is, uh, as I study this word out and what I, believe, uh, what, it, what I believe it means back in Acts chapter 20. Verse number 24 here, he says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Right here, these three words, he says, And the ministry. And as I started to study this word out and started, uh, started to kind of uh, study and see what it actually meant and what the ministry actually meant to Paul, and I believe that he was talking about people and how he was able to make an influence and in a, in a, in a drastic impact in the world, even through missions of how God used his life and then what the ministry meant. It meant people and how he was able to, uh, to focus on people. Number three I want to give to you tonight is the word, number, uh, is the word droves. And I came across this word because I like alliteration in my messages, but I came across this word because it means a crowd of people and he realized what the ministry meant to him and reaching a crowd of people and reaching these people of what it meant to him and I believe he learned this from the disciples of the disciples that taught him and then how the disciples that taught Christ I'm going to give you an example over here in Matthew chapter 9 of I believe of what the disciples learned of, uh, of talking about crowds and how to reach a crowd of people talking about the, the ministry Matthew chapter 9 just going to give you three verses here Matthew chapter 9 right at the end of the chapter Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse number 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 36 here. He says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted 
and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And you see that right here at the beginning of verse 36. He says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. And I realize that Christ's responsibility, when he saw a group of people, that is, when he saw them, it says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And he saw a group of people that were in need. I saw a group of people that needed God. And it moved him to do something. It moved, with, it moved him with compassion. It moved him with love. And realizing of what we see and how we see people in this world, of how we look at people that are in need, of how it ought to move us. It ought to move us knowing that we have the gospel knowing that we have God's word and that we can give it to them and it ought to make us do something about it. it ought to, as we see people in need, seeing a people that need Christ, it ought to move them. And we see this responsibility, this responsibility that Christ had uh, to look on these people here and how he took it upon himself, of how he made it move him and he saw these people and it moved him with compassion on them. But secondly, he says here, not only this responsibility, but Christ makes a request down in verse number 38 here. He says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. He makes this request here and realizing that it's our responsibility as Christians to pray that God will send someone, that he'll send people uh, throughout this world. He'll send people throughout the U.S., throughout the state, and throughout the city and realizing that it's our responsibility that God's going to use someone. It's, it's our responsibility to pray that he'll send someone. It could even be us that he's going to send and realizing he says the harvest truly is plenteous and the laborers are few. There's always going to be people out there to, to win to Christ. There's always going to be people out out there that, that need the gospel, and it's our job to come along and realizing even in, the, in, even in the Philippines, there's 110 million people over there in just the size of about, I believe it's the size of Florida. If you compact all the islands, it's, that's how the size of uh, the Philippines is, and, uh, and there's 110 people spread out throughout the island of how packed it is, and realizing even though throughout the, throughout the, uh, throughout the history of the Philippines, and even the last few decades, how uh, hundreds and hundreds of missionaries and pastors have went over there, and realized that it's still not enough to reach those people and realizing that there's always going to be, be a people to reach and it's our responsibility as Christ had saw as he says that when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion I'm going to give you an example here over in Acts chapter uh, number 3 talking about this, uh, this word moved of how it moves us to do something when we see something it moves us to do something and I gave an example of Christ and I'm going to give an example of the disciples here of Peter and John Acts chapter 3 a story many of us know since we were little kids if we were in a junior church this uh, story of uh, Peter and John on their way to the temple. And I'm going to give you one verse here that I believe uh, was, uh, that popped out in my mind that helped along uh, an example in this, in this illustration here. In, uh, Acts chapter 3, verse number 4. It says, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he says that word, fastening his eyes upon him. And you realize Peter and John, they were on their way to the temple, and they simply could have just walked by this man. This man that was, he had a physical need, but the more importantly, he had a spiritual need. And realizing that Peter and John, they went out of their way, and they were able to help this man. They were able to give him something. And it's all because Peter looked on him. And looking at the example of Christ, of how he saw a group of people, and made an example, and moved him with compassion. And how Peter saw 
this man to the side here, and it moved him. It moved him to do something. It moved him to help him, and he went aside. He was able to help and lift this man up. And you can see this man's testimony here down in verse number 8. He says, And he leaping, stood and walked, and entered with them in the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that which it was which sat for, uh, for alms at the beautiful gate. And you realize that what these people and how they saw this man, and now that he was now healed, and how Peter and John were able to make an impact in this man, and how this man's testimony made an impact around those people. And it's all because that they went out of their way. They saw this man, and they saw a need in someone, and it moved them to do something. And it, it, ought, to, it ought to move us when we see a group of people in need. No matter where we are in this world, we have the gospel, and it ought to move us to give it to them. So we see this example of Christ as he gives it here in Matthew chapter 9. And so we saw the droves of how to make an impact in people, of how it ought to move us uh, to make an impact. And we see, uh, we saw the, the droves. Lastly, I'm going to give to you back in, our, uh, back in our text verse, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. The last point I want to give tonight. He says here, <clears throat> verse 24, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course. These last two words here, he says, with joy. He says, I want to finish my course with joy. Number four tonight is the delight. And realizing that we can have happiness in serving God. And in Psalms 102, David the psalmist, he says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Realizing everything that we get to do for God, everything, no matter where we get to go in this world, no matter if it's a foreign nation, or no matter if it's here in the U.S., realizing that we get to serve God every single day of our life, even if we're not in the ministry full time, knowing that we get, we, we get to know God, knowing that we get to know him, and that we get to share it with him, and we get to do it with a smile on our face, it ought to be the greatest privilege that we realize that we have and realizing that there's happiness and there's in serving over in Psalms chapter 37. If you will look with me real quick, I'm just going to turn over there. Psalms chapter 37, verse number 4, talking about the delight, the delight in serving Christ. Psalms chapter 34, verse number 4. Sorry, Psalms 37. Psalms 37, verse number 4. He says here, he says, Delight thyself also, and the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Talking about having that happiness, the happiness you give to God, no matter where we are in our life, like I talked about, no matter those trials, no matter those tribulations we go through, those trials that we go through, they're there for a reason, and we can be happy that God is working in us, and when we give that happiness to God, we can be happy in God. He says he'll give us the desires of that heart, the desires that we have to be able to see someone one to Christ, to be able to see someone come to church and realize the happiness that we can get from be able to serve God and this happiness that Paul wanted to have. No matter where he was going through his life, he says, I want to finish my course with joy. He was going to have this happiness, this smile on his face as he served. We saw this happiness in, in serving, but most importantly is that there's happiness in suffering. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 here, he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, he says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, my strength is is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ 
may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. And realize, like he said, he says, I'm going to go through life, and no matter where I'm at, those bonds and afflictions, they abide me, but I'm going to continue on. I'm going to continue on serving God. He says, I'd rather take that than being outside of God's will, being away from God and rejecting God. He said, I'd rather take that and being serving Him than doing anything else in this world. And I can go through that knowing that God power, God's power is on my life, and I can go through that. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong, realizing that we get rid of ourselves the sacrifice and the willingness that we give to God. God's going to strengthen us. He's going to get us through those trials and through those hard times and the happiness that God gives us. I'm going to give you a few more verses here and I'll wrap this up over in First, uh, first Peter. I know this isn't Paul, but it's another great example of uh, someone that went through trials, someone that went through an experience, uh, life, life lessons that he went through multiple times, uh, but continue on as he was writing this to new Christians, First Peter, as he was writing this letter to some newer Christians, and he continues on, and he gives some verses here, just an, just an encouragement of this happiness and suffering. He says in First Peter chapter one, verses seven, First uh, Peter chapter one, verses seven, uh, seven through nine. He says here, he says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though ye have not seen him, uh, that ye see him, uh, ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. He talks about the rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He says that trial of your faith being more precious than gold and silver, that trial that you're going through, it's more valuable than anything else in this world. That trial you're going through is for a purpose and God has it for a purpose and he's encouraging us here to be able to finish our course of having that happiness that there's still a joy there's still a happiness that we can have you can turn over with me uh, just one page over in chapter four just these last few verses I'm gonna give to you and I'll wrap this up first uh, Peter chapter four verse number 12 here he says beloved thinking not strange concerning concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice, and as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth unto you. On, the, on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evil, or as a busybody, and other men's, other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as Christian, let him not be be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. He talks about he talks about the beloved. He says, thinking not strange at the fighting trial. He says, but rejoice. He's rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. You're suffering like Christ did. And even though there's people that are, that are always going to be against us. There's people that are always going to be against God's word and the preaching of God's word. He says that we continue on. We can still be rejoicing. We can still be happy. And this delight that we get to have, he says, so that, so that I might finish my course with joy. And as later on, as he testifies in 2 Timothy, he says, I have finished my course. He says, I kept the faith, I finished my course, and realizing him continuing on, him continuing on, and realizing this determination, and setting it, and being happy, having this delight, and realizing no matter where he went in his life, the testimony that he gets to have, and this challenge that was placed in his life, of how God changed his life completely, completely turned his life around, and now he gets to serve God, this ministry which he received of Christ Jesus, the decisions that he makes, the determination that he makes, the droves, these crowds of people that he's able to reach, and the delight that he gets to have from 
time serving God is one of the greatest privileges he realized that he gets to have, and it can be the greatest privilege in our lives. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the gospel, being able to preach it. Lord, of what it means to us and how it can change our lives and change every person's life here, Lord, tonight. Lord, just thank you for allowing me to stand here and preach your word. Lord, just be with tonight, be with the invitation now as I turn it over to the pastor. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.